Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to the book of Titus this morning. Titus, it's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Titus. Yeah, some of you didn't laugh because you thought I was telling the truth. But <laughs> Titus chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Today I want to talk to you about what this, the message of the gospel, what it has brought to us, what it has brought to us. And Paul teaches us here, we're going to pick up in verse 3 of chapter 3 of Titus. For we ourselves are, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. That was our story. It's what he said. This is what we once were. But I thank God that that's not the end of our story. Hmm? But... But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Now think about it. When did it appear? What kind of state were we in when it appeared? Because the very next verse is not by works of righteousness which we have done. So that didn't call upon the love and the kindness of God to come to us because we were, we were doing so well we got God's attention. He decided to go ahead and love us. No, it's why we were being boogerheads, all of those foolish and disobedient and walking and living in malice and hatred and hating one another. That's when the love and the kindness of God appeared to us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Whom he poured out on us abundantly. Isn't it good to know you got abundant, an abundance of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. People say, oh, we want more of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you have an abundance of the Holy Spirit. You just need to wake up to that reality. Amen. He's here in abundance through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Father, thank you for the next few minutes here with these wonderful people today, those that are in the room, those that are with us by live stream, and those that are listening by podcast. I thank you, Lord, for every hearer here. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, and I pray, God, that you would grant to every hearer the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Father, we thank you for the the gift of wisdom that you give liberally to those who ask, so we're asking you for your wisdom. Lord, we don't want to live like fools in the earth. We want the wisdom of God. Thank you, Lord, that your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. And so we receive it and all of its marvelous benefits. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. All right. So there are are three things that I see here in this passage of Scripture that I want to bring out to you today that comes to us as a result of this message, as a result of this gospel. Number one is love. Everybody say love. love. Another thing we see, are going to see here is life. Say life. life. And thirdly, liberty. Say liberty. Love, life, and liberty. But let's go back for a moment to verse 3. 
For we ourselves were also, were, were, say were, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice. I want to break this part down for just a moment because it's important to know really in a, uh, what we were so that we can know what we are now. And the difference that the love of God truly made for us. The word foolish here simply means without the knowledge of God. We were without the knowledge of God. Matter of fact, Paul says over in Ephesians, he says, remember that you Gentiles, that at that time you were estranged from the covenants of Israel. You, you were not part of the, of the deal. You were not part of the family. You were foreigners to everything. You were without hope and you were without God in the world. That was our reality. That was our reality as Gentiles. We were not the chosen people of God. We were on the outside of all of that, all of his favor and this marvelous covenant that he cut with Abraham and his people. But now, it says, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood. So again, we see another picture that it wasn't our works of righteousness. We had an abundance of other things working against us. And one of these was that we were foolish. We were without the knowledge of God. Disobedient. Anybody have kids? Huh? Yeah, didn't you understand disobedience? Or maybe you have been a kid. I'm pretty sure all of you have been. Then you understand disobedience. You're an adult. You understand disobedience. <laughs> You're married. You understand disobedience. It literally means obstinate or unpersuadable. It makes me think about this kid who was in church and he was standing up in the pew and the church was crowded that day and, and so his mom's like, sit down. And he said, but mom, I can't see. I can't see. She said, well, nobody can see behind you. You need to sit down. That's not how you act in church. You, everybody's sitting, boy. Mom, I can't see. Boy, she finally yanked him by the arm. She set him right down on his backside. He looked up at her. He said, I might be sitting down, but I'm standing up inside. Obstinate, unpersuadable, disobedient. Matter of fact, the scripture says that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. That's the broken nature of Adam. And the Lord has laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Think about it. All your straying and all your living life for yourself, God blamed Jesus for that. Mm -mm. Living in malice. Oh, no, serving various lusts and pleasures. The word serve, serving here means to become a slave of, to be a slave of. So we are a slave to the desire for that which is forbidden. A slave to the desire for what is forbidden. Also, to serve the delights of the flesh. Now, I know that none of you can relate to any of that because you all go to one cost church. But, and then living in malice and envy. Now, this is, malice is a, is a dark, dark reality. It's a dark, dark word. It means ill will. It means wickedness. It means the desire to injure. Living in malice and envy. And envy here is the desire to have what someone else has with the intent that they should no longer have it. So it's not just wanting what someone else has. You want them to go without too. Hateful means detestable. 
Hating one another means to pursue with hatred. Wow. This is where we were. This is kind of people, you look around in our world right now, do we see any of the fruits of this here? Do we see any of this kind of reality in the world? Seems like every other day we have a shooting that we're look, watching on the news or something, somebody going crazy and shooting up a church, a church. Right? And you might ask the question and think, how could it get any worse? I mean, this is as bad as it gets, but my family, it's been bad a long time. The first sin, the first sin committed, we can put it in the theological and spiritual terms of treason. Adam committed high treason against God. How about he stole somebody's fruit? He stole God's fruit. He stole a piece of fruit. All right, that didn't seem all that bad. But by one man's sin, death spread to all men, and thus all sinned. All of us got credited with that one sin. Thanks, Adam. Brought it all to us. We all became slaves of it. But the very next sin mentioned is a brother raising up <clears throat> violence against his own brother to slay him, to kill his innocent brother. Cold blood killer. And in so doing, wiped out 25% of the earth's population. <laughs> See the digression from stealing a piece of fruit to killing his own blood. So the world's been in trouble for a long time. This isn't anything new. We just got a lot more people on planet Earth, and so we see a lot more violence. It's just a greater reality. But let me tell you something. Don't let this kind of thing, what you see in this world, the trouble, the violence, the degradation, don't let that sully your thinking and your believing from what is greater that God's love is not intimidated by any of that. And none of that, none of those people that are practicing these, those things are beyond the reach of His amazing love. It was when we were in this place, and while others are still in this reality, they need to know something. They need to know that there is a love that is unconditional. It is not waiting for them to perform right. It is there to help them come out of death and into life. Because as I've said before, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And none of these things have the ability to stop his love. There is no created thing. There's no angels, no demons, nothing, no, nothing power or might that can separate us from the love of God. God so loved this world that he gave this world everything that he had when he gave his son. So there is no depth of sin and depravity that is out of the reach of God's amazing, everlasting love. You know, that love is extraordinary. He loved us anyway. In that while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love. Christ died for us. On September the 5th, 2010, my first cousin, Tasha Lynn Payne, I knew her as Tasha Lynn Welch, gave up her life to save four children in the Red River, just north of, or south of, I should say, um, Thackerville, Oklahoma, my upbringing town, and where a lot of my family reside to this day. 
She was down there because her dad wanted to take her down there to celebrate her birthday. This was the day before her 29th birthday. She had two boys there with them and, and two other boys, and all of them pretty small. I'd say maybe eight years old, somewhere around that age. And so as Tasha and her dad Jim sat on the bank there at Jack Rabbit Island, the boys got out in the water and they noticed that the boys got in trouble real fast. And Tasha, not even thinking about the danger of this situation, uh, the possibility of even getting to the boys or to rescue which one do you start with? I mean, probably her own kids, I would think, but there's four out there and all of them are struggling. What does she do? She doesn't even take a moment to try to calculate that or anything. She just jumps in. And she quickly found out while they were in trouble because there was a swift undercurrent. That river is very dangerous in some spots, and especially in that spot. They have posted and inquired or encouraged people, don't swim here, you can fish here, but these waters are unpredictable. And she found that. So she's fighting with everything in her, kicking and, and trying to get to those boys. <clears throat> she finally gets to one of them. And she pushes furiously back toward that shore and gets him up there to her dad where he can pull him to safety. And then goes back out after the second one, brings him back, back out to the third, brings him back, back out to the fourth, gets him back to safety. And by the time she gets all four of those boys back to the shore, she has completely exhausted herself of any strength to save herself. And my cousin, unfortunately, went under the waves not to rise again until they were able to pull her body out the next day. The love, love doesn't calculate danger. It doesn't calculate sin. It doesn't calculate those things. It just loves. It's love in action that God showed us in giving us his son. Not moved. Not moved at all by the risk that he was taking. Not moved at all by the risk. Think about it. God gave us all a, a, a free will. You can choose this. So God took all the risk in sending his son with not one guarantee that anybody would buy it. Not one guarantee that anybody would choose to believe on him. That's, that's an astounding love. I mean, it's one thing that he gave up his son for us but that he would give him up for us with no guarantees? Whew. Wow. But he did it. And that kind of love, I, I, I really believe this. If people really understood it, if they really heard this love in its purest form, it's virtually, I think, irresistible. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be loved like that? We're created for love. We're not created for rules. We're created for love. God looked down upon this world and he saw you and I in our trouble being swept away by the power of sin and death. But he intervened. He stepped in. He did not count the cost. He went right in with us. He didn't factor the risk. He went right in. And God became a man and dwelt among us. And he lived a sinless life. And he bore our sins in his body upon that cross. And he took them to that grave. And then he rose again from the dead, assuring that we all, hallelujah, have an assurance of salvation, spirit, soul, and body. Amen.
And he rescued you and I from the power of sin and the consequence of death as a result. No one is outside of the reach of our God's love. Many out there feel and think they are, though. That's why you are in their life. So you can bring them this good news. That there's no, nothing greater, nothing more powerful than his love. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, verse 5, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration, that word literally means new life or new birth. That's a, that's a fantastic reality that we get with God. We don't, he didn't refurbish us. He made us brand new. Amen. He made us it again, another. He took us, the old things are gone, and now the new things have come. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Amen. Now you are children of the living God. It's, it's interesting, this life that he's came, come to bring us and, and what it's made up of, because now it says our lives are now hidden in him. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. In the nation of Japan, Japan, 98%, 98% of adoptions are actually adult men aged between 20 and 30 years old. Hardly any children are ever adopted. And uh, this is according to some government data cited by this economist by the name of Stephen Levitt and another journalist, Stephen Dubner, in, in their book. They wrote a book called Freakonomics. Anybody ever read Freakonomics? Yep. All right. And I figured, I figured you had read that book, David. But this all started about 100 years ago uh, when Japan's civil code dictated how a family's wealth <clears throat> would be passed on after the death of the, of the family elder. And in households which only have daughters, then a family would look to adopt a son and so that they could fulfill that role of carrying on the, the family business as well as receiving and being custodian to the family's cash and assets. But nowadays, legal adoption has, has gone even further of this kind. They've paired up with an arranged marriage now. So that, uh, and it's called oh my. Everybody say oh my. Yeah, if mom and daddy's arranging your marriage. That might be what you say. Oh my. So they have a daughter. So then they have this adopted son, but they're not only getting a son, but they're getting a son-in-law in him as well. At the same time, and then he changes his name to the wife's family name. And that process is called mukoyoshi. Can we all make a friend of that word? Mukoyoshi. So there, there are even matchmaking companies now that recruit voluntary uh, adoptees for Japanese uh, corporations. Some of the Japan's most famous companies have remained a family-run, in that way, business, even to this day. Toyota is one of them. That was founded in 1937. Suzuki, four generations up to this day. Uh, Suzuki has done that very same thing, adopted a son or son-in-law, and so they carry on the name. See, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but now you receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Let's all say that together. Abba, Father. So you got a whole new life in him. You've been born all over again. This is what the, the gospel reality in your life is. It is life. I came that you may have life and have abundance. Amen. You now carry a new name. That is no longer a slave of sin, but now a child of the living God. Praise God. In that life, you now live in the flesh. You live by faith in the Son of God. 
As now your reality is, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, I love that, having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know what that says? That as a child of God, you are already, once you put your faith in Jesus, it's at that moment you became eternally alive. We're not just waiting for heaven. We're already living in that experience to have eternal life, which means death has no real hold on you because Jesus took away the sting of death. As a matter of fact, death is the last enemy that is going to have to have a meeting with Jesus. And it says that the death is going to be destroyed. Death itself will die. Oh, I like that. But you as believers have this hope that even if this body, if and when this body finally gives up, it don't stop you. It doesn't stop you from living. doesn't stop your eternal experience. Hallelujah. You just, for, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately transformed into that eternal living experience in glory with God. But the, you know what's even cooler than that? I mean, that's great, right? God's not forgetting about your body either. There's a day coming called a glorification when this body then, you'll get a whole brand new body. Think about no more aches and pains, no more creaks and snaps. Huh? None of that. No more sagging skin and wrinkles and wearing out. Your body will fully cooperate. <laughs> Hallelujah. With your spiritual living. Amen. Thank God for that. Therefore, having been justified by His grace, we, have, we should become heirs. That having been justified by... Everybody say liberty. See, you've been liberated from death, been liberated from sin. Justified means to be declared, to be declared righteous, but it also means to be free, to be made free. And this liberty was not something that you worked for, fought for, earned, or anything like that whatsoever. It has simply been given to you by the grace of God. Jesus brought us peace, the end to the rage and the havoc of war. He brought to us a state of national tranquility. I want to finish with this verse of Scripture, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know what that Scripture just told us? You don't have to sin. Well, everybody sins. I didn't say everybody doesn't sin. I'm just saying you don't have to. You can make the choice. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How do you walk in the Spirit? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, with the mind I serve the flesh, or with the mind I serve the Spirit. What do you choose to do? You're going to choose to live by the Spirit, or you're going to choose to live by the flesh. It's that simple. Hmm? How many of you think that we ought to repent once in a while then? That's what repentance is. Change your mind. <laughs> Amen. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get new thoughts. You need new thoughts. You need his thoughts. Amen. Where do I find them? You got a whole Bible full of them. Whole Bible full of promises. And you start reading that book, right? And all of a sudden, something jerks your chain. You go, well, that's not how I think. Well, there's the moment to change how you think. 
right? And when you stop arguing and you just start submitting, believing, and confessing that word in your life, praise God. That's when you can live in its experience. This says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that's good. You don't have to sin. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm just saying it's possible. Amen. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. If you've been a Christian five minutes, you understand that. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Bing! Okay, let's stop here for just one moment. I want to maybe help correct some thinking here today. Because part of my upbringing had to do with this kind of preaching and thinking and acting and doing. Yeah, you're saved by grace, but that don't mean you can just go do whatever you want. Right? That's what I heard. You're saved by that don't mean you just go do whatever you want. Hang on a second. What does this say? For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one so that you do not do the things that you wish or want. Oh, wait a second. Now, if you were to ask, what is hindering you from doing what you wish? Some of you might say the spirit. Some of you might say the flesh. You might have a mixed response here today. But one of them is hindering you from doing what you wish. So you need to, to know then who you are. If you identify with the flesh, you're going to say the spirit's the problem. It's keeping me from doing what I want. But if you decide you're going to live in the Spirit and you're going to identify with the inner man, then you're going to say, the flesh is what's trying to stop me and hinder me from doing what I want. Uh, see, here's the thing about your liberty that we have to get as Christians. Oh, God, help us to move past this fleshly kind of thinking and this religious kind of thinking and really step into this glorious liberty. I wish to God... I wish to God that the people of God would do what they want. I wish to God that the people of God were free enough to only identify with the Spirit so that they would do what they want and the flesh would not be a hindrance. But see, religion gets us caught up in the flesh and its desires as that's us and we're always fighting the Spirit. That's not true. You are joined to the Lord. Therefore, the scripture says you are one spirit with him. Did you, where did you get your new nature? In the flesh or in the spirit? You're a whole new creation in Christ. Remember, Paul talked about that struggle in Romans 7. He said, I, uh, I find a law that there is evil present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God or in the word of God according to the inward man. See, the inward man's right. The inward man is right with God. You're justified, declared righteous by faith in the Spirit. Praise God. So now you've got to live from the inside out. But if you keep calling you this body, if you keep identifying yourself as just the flesh, then you'll continue to stumble and to fail and to fall and never really experience true liberty. But if you will today say, I'm stepping into liberty and I'm not looking back. I'm going, to, I'm, going to stay, I'm going to be led by the Spirit, and I'm going to pray. Oh, man, imagine what that would do for a Christian's prayer life if they really got that revelation that they are right with God, that they're at peace with God. I have a feeling that their prayers would be unhindered. 
by fear, by religious thinking. Well, Lord, I don't ask for much. Why? Well, nobody's ever asked me that question. Why do you not ask for much? He's the God of more than enough. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, according to the power that works in Him. Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray. And you got religious and said, Lord, I just want what you desire. He wants what you desire! <laughs> Say what you want! Yeah, but how do I know it's of God? See what I'm talking about? It's that constant resonance. What are you identifying with? You'll be confident in who He's made you to be. You won't be afraid to ask Him. You won't be afraid to ask him big things. Jesus said, he who asks, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Wow, I want to be that liberated. How about you, huh? Not have any questions in this prayer life with God. Not be afraid to pray big kind of prayers. Hmm? Amen. Because it's impossible. And let me tell you something. It's impossible to pray the wrong kind of prayer when you're praying by faith. It's impossible. Faith keeps you from the desire for the wrong things. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, and whatever is not of faith is sin. Amen. So we walk by faith. And faith sees things that we can't see, and it knows things we don't know. It's knowing that you know even when you don't know. <laughs> Amen. Love, the love of God. Jesus wasn't afraid to be a friend to the sinner. He wasn't afraid to give him an abundance of wine at a wedding. He wasn't afraid of that. Boy, he upset some religious folk, though. Even John the Baptist got offended at him. He upset a lot of people because he was a friend of the sinner. He ate and drank with them like he wasn't intimidated by all their sin. Hmm? I thank God that his love was greater than my sin. I thank God that when his love found me, I found something new to live for. The old things no longer satisfied. The things of this world just didn't, just wouldn't stick any longer. My desires changed. My want to's changed because of his love. And now my relationship with him, and I think that you can find this to be true too, your relationship with him is found one not in performance. You live for God not because you're trying to please him, but because you love him. You're grateful to God for what he's done for you. That's a whole different. Then obedience and stuff like that, it's not an obligation. Now it kind of becomes a thing of, a, of an obsession. He's come to give you life. This life that far exceeds the temporal world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're of a kingdom that can never be shaken. And you've been brought into a liberty. And the world, creation is waiting, groaning. Where are the sons of God? When will they be liberated to be who they are in the earth? To say what they need to say. To do what they need to do. To truly be free. Amen. And remember, your liberty is found right here. That's why I am glad to be an American. We celebrate not the actual day of our freedom, but the day we declared we were free. Huh? 
When you make up your mind, that's when you're free. Not when your enemy surrenders. When you make up your mind and declare you're free, that's when you're free. Amen. Call those things and be not as though they are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this glorious time together. Thank you, Lord, for your glorious gospel and what it has brought to us. Oh, Lord, that we would, would see this reality as you see it, that we would see ourselves as you see us. When we were in this world, we saw our, ourselves away from God and, and, and in our own minds by wickedness. That we, but now the, your word teaches us that you now see us in your sight. We are holy, blameless, above reproach. Whew. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray that, and I hope, my hope and prayer is that minds and hearts have been elevated here today to live in the God reality, the God kind of life, the life that you came to give, to bear your burden, which is light, and to come up under your yoke, which is easy. Thank you, Father God. Help us, Lord, to... In any area of our life where we have trusted ourselves and our own efforts as if that was what this whole relationship with you is. But God, help us not to do that, but to fully focus on our Savior, to fully put our trust in Jesus, to thank you and to, to understand God, to welcome your love into our lives because, Lord, it's your love. It's your love, that love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment on a day when there's a lot of fear, on a day, day of, I mean, standing before the judge of the living and the dead. But you said, love brings us confidence on that day. Boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Thank you, Lord, for the life that you came to give us through Jesus Christ, who said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have abundance. Thank you for this liberty that you've called us into. God, that your people would be free to live as their inner man, their spirit man, who they really are, wants to live. To not be caught up and tripped up by this flesh but to have the mind of Christ. Therefore, serve with the mind of Christ. Thank you for this gospel, this message that had nothing to do with any part of us, no works that we had performed. But it is this, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And whoever, what a great invitation, whoever believes on Him, will receive everlasting life. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that. I believe I want your life. I want your love. I want your liberty. And I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you were buried. I believe you rose from the dead. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for helping those that are here today, Lord, have even been tripped up, even as Christians, been tripped up in religious do's and don'ts and regulations, thinking that that is somehow the way that they're supposed to live their lives. But God, help them to come into this glorious liberty fully, to truly live as they are. Awaken to righteousness and sin not. To fully grasp that they are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, I thank you right now, even 
as we're here under the preaching of the gospel, that in your gospel, not only do we proclaim it, but Lord, we also demonstrate this gospel. We thank you, Lord, that in, the, in your glorious message, there is healing. There is salvation. There is healing. If you're here in this room right now and you need healing in your body of any kind, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. I'm going to pray for you because we believe that Jesus Christ bore, took stripes upon his back to purchase our healing. God made up his mind. He's not wondering if he's going to heal you. He already healed you in his son. Amen. Not only is he capable, that's not enough to know that he can. He will. He has. So, Father, you see these with their hands up, and I just pray right now that the word of healing right now would go forth, that it would go into their body right now, and it would begin to restructure. It would begin to heal and, and to, to repair and to fix, Lord, that which is wrong. It would remove pain and sickness, disease in Jesus' name. Every tissue and every cell and every fiber of their being would operate and function at peak proficiency according to how you created it to function. Your word says that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destruction. Thank you that they're delivered now from destruction of every kind in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.